It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Hey, Rebel Rouser. I'm Alan Voivod, and this is Star Wars 7x7. We're at episode number 1,700 today. Yes, indeed, 1,700 episodes. And whether you've been here with me for all 1,700 of them, actually, the number's a little bit higher. We'll get to that momentarily. Or if you've just joined me for the last few hundred of them, or even somewhere in between, I'm so grateful that you've been with me for any part of this journey of Star Wars 7x7. Thank you so much for subscribing to the show. Thank you so much also to the patrons who helped bring me to 1,700 episodes via their support at patreon.com slash SW7X7. So today I am answering, as it turns out, and, you know, coincidentally, since we're thanking patrons, well, not coincidentally, because I told you this yesterday in New York City and that we're going to be answering patron questions today. It's a Q&A session here at Star Wars 7x7, and as you can tell by watching the video version of this, and probably also from the audio as well, I'm back in the studio in New Hampshire, so the sound is a lot more controlled compared to the chaos of Times Square in New York City, but it's very good to be back in the studio, and it was a good time in New York, I will say. But we are here to answer some patron questions, and so let's just jump right in and do that. It's going to start off with Jared Gorman, who is reading the novel Bloodline, or was reading, Jared, and I'm not sure if you're done with it by now, but was interested in knowing about all the different titles that Leia has held over the course of the Star Wars story, and whether any of them are advanceable. For example, Can a Princess Become a Queen?, and so here is the official canon scoop on that. She started out as a princess, but there's kind of two levels of princess, actually, as far as Alderaan goes. One of them is just being a basic princess, but not every princess is destined for the throne. They have to go through their day of demand and the rituals that are described in the novel Leia, Princess of Alderaan by Claudia Gray. And once they are completed to everyone's satisfaction, at that point a princess becomes a crown princess and thus a fully vested heir to the throne of Alderaan. So that's two right there. Leia started out as a plain old princess and then became a crown princess of Alderaan. In the meantime, she also became a senator, even though it doesn't say that in any of the dialogue in the original Star Wars movie, but it is in the script narrative notes that she is referenced as a senator, even though she describes herself as a, quote, member of the Imperial Senate. That essentially means senator for all intents and purposes, but you don't necessarily know for sure. 
In the meantime, she is also a part of the Rebel Alliance, but there's no reference anywhere to her actually holding a title in the Rebel Alliance. And according to Wikipedia, when she was part of Bail Organa's resistance cell before it became part of the Alliance to Restore the Republic, she's listed in Wikipedia as a staff officer within Bail Organa's cell. So I guess you could potentially say that that's a fourth title for her so princess crown princess senator and um, staff officer in the rebel alliance presumably she had other titles when she was working in the senate she was an intern for example but i mean i i don't know if we really need to get to that level and depth of things you know she's also a pathfinder or at least completed pathfinding courses but yeah i don't think that quite rises to the level of what we're talking about here and additionally, we know she eventually becomes a general in the resistance, and she was also a senator in the New Republic, too, so nothing really extra notable there, aside from the generalship, of course. But the other title that she has that she didn't necessarily ask for, per se, but has been given to her by a subspecies of the Nikto is Hut Slayer, and that is, of course, because she is responsible for killing Jabba the Hut. and I guess a particular subspecies of Nikto were, for all intents and purposes, enslaved by the Huts, or at least, you know, employed under very bad conditions by the Huts. and so Leia is revered by this particular clan of the Nikto, and they've given her the name Hut Slayer, which is an honorific title to recognize what she accomplished. And I don't exactly know how you rise up from that, you know, unless it's, you know, plural Hut Slayer somehow, but Hut, you know, Hut's Slayer. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and also general, I mean, I guess if there is a wider uh, leadership for the resistance and if she ultimately rises to the level of, say, you know, chairman of the Joint Chiefs or something like that, I guess she could rise above the generalship level as well. Uh, senator, she could rise up to a chancellorship, but yeah, obviously that's not going to happen and never did. So ultimately, I think we are stuck at six titles. Princess, Crown Princess, Senator, General, Hut Slayer, and, oh shucks, I forgot the other one. Oh, Staff Officer. Yeah, Staff Officer in the Rebel Alliance. And, you know, with other potential titles kicking around here and there as well. So Jared, hope this answers your question for you. Also reading Bloodline is Pamela Johnson, who asked about Bakta and wants to know what Bakta is and where did it come from? What's the deal with it? Well, canon and legends have diverged on this point. So, and all I mean by that is that there's a lot more detail in legends than there is in the current canon right now. All the canon says is that it is basically a viscous substance that has magical healing properties. And... Essentially, I think what you can consider Bakta is as a plot device for all intents and purposes. Because Luke Skywalker, of course, got himself pretty well ripped up by that Wampa and by exposure to the elements on Hoth. And how are they going to heal him fast enough to be able to get him back into the action and keep the plot moving as quickly as possible for The Empire Strikes Back. Well, that would be by dropping him in a Bakta tank, which, according to legends, smells and tastes terrible and has a sort of pineapple-like sensation that, if you're immersed in a Bakta tank, will not leave you for several weeks. And legends actually says that there are two different 
um, actually one different, one bacteria and one other chemical substance that are put into a suspension medium. And that is essentially what forms Bacta. And if you want to get super specific, the bacteria is called Alazi, A-L-A-Z-H-I. The chemical that it was also mixed in with was Kavam, K-A-V-A-M. And the suspension medium for this was Ambori, A-M-B-O-R-I. And it was invented basically in antiquity, according to Wikipedia, and ultimately became known to the wider galaxy around 4100 BBY before the Battle of Yavin. There was a planet called Thyphera where it had been created by this insectoid species. That's the Vratix, V-R-A-T-I-X. So... That pretty much, I think, answers that question. Hopefully, Pamela, hopefully that works for you. And Bobby Gordon actually had a related question, which was how come it was too late for the Bacta to fix Kylo Ren's scar, but it was fine enough to heal Finn? And so the way that I would answer that is, you know, having gone back and taken a look at The Last Jedi just to confirm this, but Finn was injured by... Kylo Ren's lightsaber in two places, in his shoulder, like in his right shoulder area, um, by the one of the quillions on the blade, and then also sliced up the back. And the thing of it is, is that we never see those two parts of Finn's body in The Last Jedi, or even at the end of The Force Awakens. They are covered in, first of all, just the medical coma that he's in, and whatever, you know, uh, whatever he's been dressed in for the end of The Force Awakens, and then he's in the Bacta suit and The Last Jedi when he wakes up and then goes stumbling around the, the Rattus leaking and naked and whatnot. But the way that the suit is positioned on him, we don't get to see the places where he would have been hit by Kylo Ren's lightsaber. So we actually have no idea whether he has any scarring or not. But we do know that you know, they were both healed from their wounds. They were just healed with scars, basically, in Kylo Ren's case. And with Finn's, well, you know, the jury's out on that one. But I would bet that he's got to have scars as well because, you know, same timing, more or less. I mean, they were both taken off Starkiller Base. Although I imagine that Kylo Ren probably got to medical treatment a little bit quicker, comparatively speaking, because he would have gone up to a ship right there at Starkiller Base and probably would have headed straight to medical, whereas Finn would have had to be transported through hyperspace back to Dakar and then get medical treatment. So I imagine that Ren actually got medical aid much before Finn did. And so hopefully, Bobby, that answers your question too. Now, I did get a couple of other questions and I'm going to answer them on tomorrow's episode of the show here. So that means we're just about ready to wrap this up, except for the thing I mentioned at the beginning of the show about how this isn't exactly 1,700 episodes that I've done here. So I will clarify that right after I ask you to please subscribe to the show here if you are not yet subscribing to it, wherever it is that you happen to like to catch it, whether that's on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, Facebook, Wherever you like to get your podcast fixed, wherever you like to get your Star Wars fixed, by all means, please subscribe so that way you get it delivered to you every single day without you even having to think about it. And hey, if you think that 1,700 and a few more episodes is rather a monumental achievement and deserves a little something in the tip jar for the 
<laughs> for the time and effort that I've put into this, then I hope you will consider heading on over to patreon.com slash SW7X7 and seeing what kind of fun rewards that tip jar donation might give you. So the deal with the show, there have been bonus episodes of the show over the years, particularly at times of celebrations happening and also major announcements and that sort of thing. And also there is an episode zero as well which was sort of an origins of the podcast situation. So in actuality, this is the 1,748th episode of Star Wars 7x7, but all those other ones, you know, aside from the zero, were labeled as bonus episodes, and so this is the 1,700th numbered episode of Star Wars 7x7, and I am so glad that you have joined me for this one and for however many you've joined me for in the past as well. And that, my friends, will do it for today. Thank you so much once again and always. And may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other related Star Wars items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademarks and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2019 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.